One evening in October of 2016, I received a strange email. It was from a very devoted and spiritually mature person in OSL. She lived much of the time in India, and she did not know me personally, but was familiar with my ministry. She wrote that she had an arresting vision of me in agonizing pain. Something severely threatening my health had happened in her vision. She let me know that she was initiating a full-blown prayer assault on whatever was threatening me. I thought it was weird and disconcerting as a message. I tucked it away in my thoughts, and honestly, within a few days, I gave it no more thought. Fast forward about two months, and it was early morning, about 4.30 a.m., and I was driving on the freeway to the San Diego airport. I was on my way to an OSL conference in Lake Charles, Louisiana, where I was to speak. I drive this freeway regularly, and I was heading past the last off-ramp, leading to the southernmost portion of Temecula, California. The off-ramp led to Temecula Parkway. This is the important part of the story because there was no other off-ramp until about 25 minutes down the highway. As I looked up and casually observed the sign for that off-ramp one mile, I felt a strange and painful pressure on my back and neck. It moved quickly to my chest and left arms and became excruciatingly painful. I described it as if someone gave your whole body the worst charley horse you can imagine. Sweat poured down my face and I felt that I was going to die all in just a few moments. I was clutching the steering wheel and had split a split second decision to make. Do I turn off now? or pull to the side of the freeway and call for help. The steering wheel just turned sharply. Did I turn it? I still don't know, and I pulled off the freeway and called my wife. I'm having a heart attack. My wife yelled, pull off the road and call 911. I said to her, breaths interrupting each word, no time. I had to drive myself to a hospital. I realized in amazement that I had pulled off the same road where Temecula Valley Hospital was, a small regional hospital I knew nothing about at the time. The death grip came stronger as I sped down the road to the hospital. I screamed out loud, God, no. My shirt was sopping wet from sweat. My breathing was halted and my head was swimming and my car was swerving. I made it through to the parking lot. But mind you, it was still dark and I saw no one in the parking lot. I parked and fell out of my car to the asphalt and vomited. I lifted my head up and saw about 50 yards away emergency entrance and was immediately filled with despair because I knew I could not make it to that entrance. It was so close, but impossible for me to reach. I cried out to no one there, help me. To my amazement, I heard the clop-clop of shoes. Someone heard me. It was a small woman who was rushing to me from her car. She told me she was a nurse, and this woman actually bore the full weight of my body and helped drag me into the emergency room. 
She said something to me that amazed me. She said, you're really lucky. This is the cardiac care center of the region. Any other hospital you went to would have brought you back here. God, he was handling this. He gave me strength to sit through an EKG and answer questions. They had given me nitroglycerin tablets, but the physician's assistant on duty wasn't convinced it was a heart attack. So he called a sonogram technician to check me for, of all things, GERD. God sent this tech, and his name was Brian. He was an angel from the Lord. He put the instrument on my stomach and then decided on his own to break protocol. He said, something's not right. And he put the instrument on my heart. And I saw my weirdly writhing heart on a screen. Then came another miracle. Maybe the most amazing one of the whole experience. The cardiac program was run by a renowned cardiologist in the area named Dr. Ho. Cardiologists, as most of you probably know, are sort of the golden ones of any hospital. They come and go as needed. And Dr. Ho usually came in the mid-morning. However, he had a special procedure that morning and came in early. He always went first to his office and then to the catheter lab. Today, however, was miraculously a day he took another route. He walked through the emergency room. Not only did he change his routine, but on his way to the procedure room, Dr. Ho peeked in the room I was in at the exact moment Brian decided to break protocol and put my heart on the screen. Dr. Ho knew nothing about me or my case. He just walked in and saw a heart on a screen. He almost yelled at me, Sir, you're having a big heart attack. Then he yelled even louder to the nurses and techs in the room, Code STEMI, which means he's dying unless we put a stent in him right now. But they said it was my stomach, I said to the doctor as they put me on the gurney. He said, I trump everything they told you. As they wheeled me away, I yelled to my crying wife, Rusty, call Carolyn and OSL and have them pray. I love you. We both wondered if we'd see each other again. I felt like I was off-roading as they slammed that gurney down the hall and into the elevator. Just in time, I made it to the cath lab, and they inserted two catheters in my arteries. During the procedure, I had a deep peace fill me. The doctor said three arteries were blocked, but the biggest concern was that my lower left descending artery was 100% blocked. The doctor used the term widowmaker to describe my condition. I was given two stents and spent the week in the hospital CCU. I discovered later from my doctor that the widowmaker is named so because the majority of people don't make it to the hospital in time to treat it. He told me his estimate of my survival time after the onset of my heart attack was about 30 minutes maybe 40. Had I missed that off-ramp, it would have taken far more time than the interval the doctor shared with me. Had I missed the off-ramp, in all likelihood, I would have died. 
had I not pulled into the road where the regional cardiac center was, I would have died. Had I not had the powerful little nurse happen to be there at 4.30 in the morning and respond to me in the darkness in that parking lot, I would have died. If not for Brian, the bold sonogram tech breaking the rules, or if not for Dr. Ho deciding to change his routine, I would have in all likelihood died. But when I thank God for this miraculous intervention, I thank him first for the woman in India who prayed two months previous to my heart attack because she was obedient to a vision. I believed her prayers initiated a chorus of prayer and laid the track for all these miracles to occur. I'm taking better care of myself. I lost a great deal of weight and I'm teaching, pastoring, praying, healing for others and leading conferences with a new sense of purpose and power. In Christ, weakness has been exchanged for a power and glory beyond measure. When people pray for you with sincerity, the unseen dynamics of any given situation begin to shift and change. The prayers of others arrest the passive flow of negativity and redirect our circumstances to the throne of God, who wants to act and is always looking for praying people through whom the action can be initiated. God is always ready to do unbelievable and amazing things and is ever looking for human vessels through which to do them.